It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Serving Newman Grove their breakfast since the 30s, the City Cafe is an example of how a small town business can survive things like the pandemic and inflation. It's, these are kind of kind of a dying breed, the, the small town cafe diner. But Adam and Don Witchell make it work by being flexible. A comfortable scene welcoming outsiders and encouraging regulars. If you're driving 100 miles, like I'm going to give you five minutes of my time to hear what, how you ended up here. Like our target audience used to be like people within a three block area. Even though it's old news to us or we've heard the story or we know what's going on here, like it's always new to someone else. Their novelty also supporting the local economy. It'd make a lot of difference on traffic in town if we didn't keep that going. But residents also tell NCN they value it as a proud landmark to Newman Grove. Welcome to the Fan Forum, the show where we learn about Husker Nation one fan at a time by asking him the same four questions. Uh, tonight we have uh, we have Adam Witchell from uh, the Newman Grove City Cafe. Welcome to the Fan Forum, Adam. Thank you very much. Pumped to be yeah. here. Yeah, no, we're pumped to have you here. And you know, as it as it said here on the uh, on the cover, keeping the proud tradition of a small town cafe alive within Newman Grove, uh, Nebraska, and that little video intro there. Uh, kind of spoke to that. Uh, we're going to get your history and what you and your wife, Don did to bring back that cafe uh, after sure. it had closed for, for a while. But uh, before we get to that, let me get to our, uh, our sponsors here. And then uh, we're going to get into the forum. Uh, Redcasters, fan formers. We have alumni hall here, two Lincoln locations, downtown 1120 P street, South point pavilions uh, next to Barnes and Noble pipeline jerky uh, go to pipeline-jerky.com use redcast as a code and you get 10 percent off smack and smooch custom shirts specialty items uh, find them on facebook and twitter at smack and smooch get yourself shirts and and koozies they do custom orders and last but not least hell varsity uh, go to hellvarsity.com slash subscribe use the promo code redcast get 10 percent off your annual subscription adam welcome to the Matt. forum here this is a lot of thank you this is a lot of fun here. We do, we do the same four questions for every single person that's on it here. Uh, why are you a Husker fan? What is your favorite Husker fan memory? Who are your all-time favorite Huskers? And and how do you think the Huskers will do next year? But uh, before we get to that, let's just talk for a second. Uh, you know, it's Christmas season here. I, I'm guessing you guys have been pretty busy and everything. I'm seeing some things with pies, <laughs> going, you know, pies and cookies and stuff being sent down to, to yeah. Omaha. Tell us a little bit about the business and and how's that going and, and everything going on here with the, the Christmas season for you. Well, the City Cafe is kind of a small mom-and-pop place on Main Street, Newman Grove. Um, we ended up um, coming across it on, of all places, Craigslist. Uh, we found it listed on sale for, for or listed for sale on Craigslist. Um, and we came up kind of on a whim, just kind of curious to see what it was. It was a turnkey operation. And eight years later, we're shelling out pies to Omaha and surrounding communities and you know trying to find a niche i guess uh for ourselves well and i love the fact that you guys are you know 
in small town Nebraska, but you were both from Omaha. So you're from the, yeah. the largest metro in the area, <laughs> but uh, but you wanted to, you wanted to leave the metro to go to a small town, find a place, and, and you found that home there in Newman Grove. It, it's funny because the population in Newman Grove is probably about a similar size to our graduating high school classes. So mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of it's kind of crazy when I, you know, we put that in perspective. But I think when Don and I got married originally, our ultimate goal was to get into some sort of a small mom and pop kind of business. Mm-hmm. It wasn't necessarily a cafe. We've looked at a few different things along the road, but the cafe kind of came up at a time where we were kind of looking at some different things. And um, we kind of had some serious discussions about it and took the plunge and, and, you know, we could have zigged or zagged a couple of different ways and it might've been different, but we've, we've been pretty fortunate to be where we are now. Well, a lot of the Redcasters, they know that uh, the majority of us, Dave, Boomer, Mac, and I were from Columbus originally. Sure. Uh, one of the tweets here of the week, as we always start off with, this is from last <laughs> summer and I uh, had a chance to meet you there in the flesh there. And yeah. uh, you know, had a great breakfast there. I took my entire family there, my sister and brother-in-law and and mom and dad. And I think my brother-in-law's parents came along. I mean, we had a caravan, about 89 people. And uh, as you see in the photo here, we swapped some uh, swag. So, <laughs> out, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you gave me the, the koozie and the sticker, which uh, right now we have the sticker here on the microphone. Here's the koozie. Uh, and I gave you some red cast uh, swag there as well. So, uh, And my dad, who's very hard to please, he still, he, talk, <laughs> he speaks about uh, the hash browns there are crispy the way he wants them. And uh, t- I'm telling you, if you can get Mike Honky to to say something <laughs> positive about the food there, you if you want him over there, that's a that's a job well done. And and the food nah. is outstanding. I've been there several times, and uh, and it's a, it's a great place to go. Well, thank you. And while I guess since I'm you know doing a little bit of promoing here for Columbus, I just want to give a promo here too. I don't know if you can see it because the the shininess, but Wonderlicks, uh, Tom and Jerry Batter. This is just a free plug for them. It's a Columbus institution to have uh, Tom and Jerry's. And that's what I've been having here. It's kind of a, I don't know if I a glorified uh, eggnog is the way to say it, but you throw a little bit of rum and a little bit of uh, uh, brandy into it. And you've got a party and well, it's the forum night. So I'm having a little party. Here, guys, so. um, well, the next tweet here, and this came from this morning here, and it is cold right now. And this tweet took off for you, Adam. Uh, yeah. You wrote, uh, want to know what a negative 40 windshield, uh, want to know what a negative 40 windshield doesn't stop. And uh, here it is. You know, you, you've got a, a cafe full this morning. Cold yeah, day. It, does, it doesn't stop the coffee, guys. That's for sure. <laughs> you know? I would imagine I a cold day like this gets more people in for coffee. I mean, that's a yeah, that would be appropriate. Maybe if there would have been six inches of snow, we wouldn't have seen as many of them. But we didn't really get a lot of snow up here, just the cold and the wind. And they all want to – I mean, it, the sun was out this morning, so they want to see what's going on. And there's actually more traffic on Main Street than I thought there would be with the cold weather. <laughs> Those guys kind of attributed to some of that. Yeah, I'm in the basement, uh, Redcast Central here, and, and it's a little chilly down here. So I've got the the full jacket on and yeah. even the, the hoodie because it's a it's it still is chilly down here, man. Negative seven or whatever I think outside. Well, let's get to the questions here. I mean, these are tough ones. I'm going to throw a bunch of hard balls at you here, Adam. But uh, we'll start with question number one: Why are you a Husker fan? You know, it's funny because I grew up. Um, as a younger kid, I my, we didn't really have a sports family. My mom wasn't into sports. My brother wasn't. My dad was kind of a casual Husker fan. Um, you know, as a little kid, I kind of remember maybe like the Oklahoma game being on or, or something like that. But it wasn't like a it wasn't like a religious thing every every Saturday where the radio was on or the TV was on. But he ended up taking us down to the spring game. I don't know if it was like eighty seven, eighty eight, and like I just remember going into that stadium and being in awe because it's 
obviously the largest thing at that time I'd ever seen, you know what I mean? And just like, even then it wasn't quite the crowd that they have now for spring games, but there was still a lot of people there and just, it was, it left an impression on me. Um, and then it kind of slowly, you know, from that point on kind of started kind of paying attention a little more. I was in that eight, nine, 10 year old kind of range and, and it kind of got me hooked. And so I've kind of been following along ever since. So age wise, what would those years have been about for you kind of as you're eight, nine, what are some of those first seasons that you remember? Oh, you know, 89, 90, 91, kind of in that range, you know, mm-hmm. kind of free title teams, you know. Mm-hmm. It, it's funny. We've talked with players from that time frame too. And it's like, gosh, I'd hate to, I hate to talk badly of only winning nine and 10 games, but that was, right. the, the, they, those teams were just on the precipice of right before the, the dynasty, right? You know, oh, right. you only went 10 and two and made it to the Orange Bowl. But yeah, right. that was, that was a time. In fact, that time that you're talking about that was some of the most pressure that was on osborne one of those seasons i think it was the 90 season he finished with three losses out of the last four games and and there was pressure on him i mean tech loss in the bowl game and yeah yeah that citrus bowl that was a that was a gasp i think he finished outside the top 20 somewhere between 20 and 25 i can't there's a lot of pressure (laughs) 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 i i remember when i first met my wife there was a, we were driving to work one morning and they had a commercial from, I think it was Nebraska Furniture Mart and it was in August and it's the commercial was something like, you know, buy a, buy something here and you'll get entered into getting some tickets for the bowl game. And right. Kathy asked me, she goes like, well, what, what if Nebraska doesn't make a bowl game? And I'm like, what, what do you mean Nebraska doesn't make a bowl game? <laughs> That's I mean, not possible. <laughs> come on. You know, I've lived my entire life. I mean, we, not only do we make bowl games, we make, we make New Year's bowl games every single right, time. Yeah. So it wasn't. If we're not playing December 17th. We're playing on like the 31st or the 1st. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, give me, give me a break. And then, geez, and actually that would have been 2003 that that happened. So the next year we didn't make a bowl game because that was the first yeah. year of uh, Callahan. So. There's some crazy things there, but you mentioned going to the stadium. Here's another tweet here, and this was uh, from Fan Day this year, back in in August. And there you are. I got, I found you. Uh, one of the photos there. From, There's a couple uh, kids right next to me there. They're getting autographs. I'm not I'm not hanging out by myself there, but yeah, you know, they they started doing Fan Day. I don't know, ten-ish years ago, and kind of on a whim, I told my took my oldest at the time, who was mm-hmm. um, probably four or five. I just we had like a, an afternoon together off and I'm like, you know, let's go down and do this. It's free. We can walk around the stadium, you know, kind of flashing back to my first time, you know, for the spring game. And, and we've kind of made that like an annual thing now. Mm-hmm. Um, and now that, you know, she has a little sister, we take, I take both of them and we take a little football and we'll kind of find a spot somewhere on the field to play catch a little bit. We'll walk up and down, you know, East stadium or West stadium or, you know, North stadium and, roam around we'll usually find probably the shortest line that we can get in to get autographs because they don't really care you know it's just it's just the experience and and you know we have a blast and somehow we'll tie and go into the the dairy store for ice cream or ibotta cone or something you know sweetens the deal for them (laughs) well you know and that's the thing we talked a little bit before we started on the show tonight and you know just like any husker fans say the last few years have been rough on the field but Husker football and Husker athletics in general, it's more than just wins and losses. It's those right. shared memories that you have of, of whatever your traditions are. I, my dad used to take mm-hmm. us to a Tasty's at 48th and, uh, sure. and, and sure. uh, Holdridge and get a big old bucket of onion chips, 
to drive home. Actually, we did two buckets, one for the kids in the back, and Dad would eat a bucket by himself. Right. And onion, <laughs> onion chips could cause problems halfway on the ride home, by the way. But right. that's a that's a side story. Um, but <laughs> but but those are memories of coming to Lincoln and going to games sure. and doing things. Absolutely. And and you taking your kids there to to signing days or you know fan days like that and going right. to dairy stores and they associate that way. I mean that's a that's a memory whether we're going three and nine or nine and three. It doesn't matter. Right. You know, and, and they don't care either. I'm just trying to kind of give them the experience and, and maybe that builds something for the future that, you know, they kind of keep, keep a kind of a, a lifelong passion for it, you know, or an interest mm -hmm. in it. Yeah, absolutely. Not, yeah. Nothing else. We're making memories. Right. So, mm -hmm. you know, I asked you a little bit about um, before we started here too, what is it like, you know, I'm big on in, in state recruiting and just the, I love the, everything that goes on inside the borders of this state and how it revolves around the athletic, you know, programs. Um, I, I love it, whether it's football, basketball, women's basketball, volleyball, you name it. Um, what is a Saturday like in Newman Grove, whether it's at the cafe or just in the town in general, what is small town Newman Grove like on a, on a college football Saturday? Well, if it's an 11 o'clock kick and it's a home game, it's dead <laughs> because the majority of the town is probably in Lincoln, either tailgating or tailgating and going to the game. Um, you know, it kind of just depends, you know, if it's, if they're away games, we might have a decent crowd in the morning. Um, and then, you know, we might have a little bump during halftime, you know, for a little rush. Um, it, it just kind of depends on home and away and, and what's going on. So mm -hmm. it's, well, that's, it's kind you know, of, I remember, I remember growing up and you go to a game, at Memorial Stadium, you see all the signs, and it would be, you know, Columbusans for for Nebraska, and you know, North right, Lupins sure. for Nebraska, yeah. and you know, North Platte people for Nebraska, and everything. And it was it was that the town shut down. The walk on program was so big, and that it would yeah. almost every town or every county would have some kid, whether scholarship or walk on, somebody that's on the team, and just the that that's that connection that it, it unites and brings people together, whether you're from the Panhandle or the you know the furthest east part of the state, it doesn't matter. And uh, absolutely, and you've got absolutely. to experience it in two different ways. Again, I think it's kind of cool to experience it from a. You grew up in Omaha, and now that you're living in Newman <laughs> Grove, I think you get a you get to see it kind of in two different ways. But uh, but uh, it's it's all the same, man. People wearing red yeah. and root for the Huskers. If there's one common ground between the, the rural and urban divide of this state, it's the Huskers. So <laughs> that's right. Oh, and maybe pie. I don't know. And pie. And pie. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, what is your favorite Husker fan memory? Question number two. Oh, I've got a couple of them. Um, the first one, the first one. So my parents split up when I was about 10 um, and they both remarried. And my dad remarried a gal who was a diehard Husker fan. Um, and they, and they ended up, they're settled down in, in Utah, Nebraska, now just west of Omaha, out by Wahoo. Mm -hmm. And so we would do, um, you know, weekend visits with dad and, and, Husker game days was kind of a big thing. Like she would have like, you know, kind of a party there. You know what I mean? We'd have snacks and it was like a fun thing. And so I remember being out there for the 94 Orange Bowl, the first title team for Osborne. And just like, it was this, we, I remember being there the year before watching the 93 one, the, 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 the close, but the missed kick at the end, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and like, just kind of like the feel of defeat after that game. And so like, we were pumped up watching that, that 94 bowl game. And when they wanted, it was like when Schlesinger scored twice there, you know, at the end of the fourth quarter there, it was just like, I, are we dreaming? Is this really happening? Oh my God. <laughs> and so like, we were just ecstatic over the moon. But the thing is I went to school in Omaha in, in North Omaha at Omaha North and I had wrestling practice the next morning. 
So I had to crank up early and have dad take me all the way back into town to school for practice. But we stopped at Cubby's along the way, um, along Highway 92 outside of Utan there. And we got the paper and it was the, uh, the famous, you know, at last cover with, with Osborne on, on the shoulders. And mm-hmm. I just remember in the back seat mm-hmm. of the car, they're just pouring over, you know, all of the articles and all of the stats of that game there. Just, you know, this is, mm-hmm. this is crazy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The world yeah, I'm, I'm uh, looking down here somewhere here. I have a bunch of newspapers and I, I swear sure I have that. Like, I, I have a couple copies of, of, you know, the pages after each of the bowl games there, each of those title teams. And, I don't know what I'm going to ever do with them. They're just sitting, you know, in a closet, but I, I can't just get rid of them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But it just, I don't know. It's just kind of, it's just a vivid memory I have is, is kind of enjoying it with them and then kind of, you know, reading up on it that next day there. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, being from Columbus and having Schlesinger scoring those two touchdowns. Yo, was, I'm sure the guys were like, yeah, <laughs> the hometown hero right there. You oh know? yeah. I mean, that was, that was insane to think that, I mean, his dad, uh, uh, his sanitation business, he ran, he owned a sanitation business and, and my parents sure. were on the route. And uh, so I grew up and the Schlesinger, you knew when the Schlesinger uh, <laughs> uh, truck was coming down the street because it had, he had it painted on it um, uh, like a Husker emblem with number 40 <laughs> on it. And then eventually <laughs> when Corey was on the lions, he even had a lion's helmet painted lion's on it with number 30. Yeah. And uh, nice. there was one time vividly, I remember and I, this would have been 92 ish. I'm guessing Corey would have been like a sophomore to junior and it was over the summertime. So maybe he was home for a week helping his dad or something. But uh, I remember waking up on a Tuesday morning, summertime, I'm at home and I hear the noise outside and they're, you know, they're taking the trash to the thing. And I look out the window and there's Corey not wearing a shirt and he's got, and he's got his hands up and he's, he's carrying one of our trash cans. And he just throws in there and it looked like the Hulk yeah. was just, you know, walking away with our trash and, and throwing it away. He was, uh, that was an awesome but that right there is kind of like, I think, you know, um, a good analogy for, for Husker football is, you know what I mean? It's kind of rolling up your sleeves or not having sleeves in that case. But, <laughs> you know, the blue collar, you know, the work ethic mm-hmm. right there, there's, there's a snapshot of it, you know, and it's, it's not all just flash in the pan there. You know, there's, there's something that's being built there. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he was, you know, wildly popular down there in uh, in Detroit as well. I mean, they sure. they, they loved him. It's a, it's the toughness that a fullback brings. I I hope Coach Rule brings back a fullback. Uh, I I think that that's such an appropriate position to kind of speak to the toughness that is uh, Nebraska football and the history here. And and you could whether it's the Macavickas or you go down the list, yeah. eight man, eight man football, six man football. That's that's part of the the fabric I mean, of it here. What what better way to win a title, especially Osmond's first title, than with you know a couple traps up the middle? You know what I mean? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, and you know it wasn't like a, it wasn't like it was a run heavy time in college football back then. It wasn't. There's no. a lot. All these teams were going to the past. We were the yeah. the the dinosaurs that were still running what we were running, but nobody could stop it. And what yeah. I think is kind of funny is right now you're starting to see uh, there's a there's a renaissance of power football coming back to football yeah. in general. You see it at the pro level. Where you know the Eagles right now are the top team in the in the NFL, and their quarterback Jalen Hurts ran for over 100 yards in the first quarter a couple weeks ago yeah. against the Packers. You see it in you see it in college. Look at what Michigan's done yeah. the last couple of years against against Ohio State, where Michigan gets great talent. I don't want to say they don't get great talent; that wouldn't right. be fair. But but even they kind of said we're not going to compete with Ohio State on a on a talent by talent, position by position basis. But what we can do is we can we can create an advantage by playing a style that they don't play and and we're going to be tougher than anything. We're going to be physical and we're going to line up under center and we're going to run it at them. And um, 
that's something that not a lot of teams are doing. Yeah, it challenges the matchups, and, you know, it kind of gives you a little edge there. I mean, Navy did that for years and years, too, running a mm-hmm. power eye. You know? and, I mean, they obviously weren't contending, but they were always having, you know, bowl games and, and successful seasons, you know, because they were kind of the odd man out. They were the leftover, you know, mm-hmm. odd man. They're running that, but it's hard to stop. But Well, that 94 team, the first Husker team to win a national championship, tons of talent. I, again, I don't want to make it yeah. sound like it was it was devoid of talent, but I would – Certainly argue there were two teams on our schedule that year, Miami in the Orange Bowl and definitely Colorado. Teams yeah. that had much more NFL talent and, and were, were probably better talented teams, but they couldn't physically stop what we did. Yeah. Um, and uh, well, that, that Colorado team had Salam, right? The Heisman winner? Oh, my gosh. They had they had you know Salam. I mean? like, they had Christian Fourier at tight end. They had yeah. uh, Westbrook at receiver. They had Cordell Stewart. They had, I think, eight or nine Slash, guys yeah, on the defense that played in the pros. It was crazy. Yeah. Yeah, they were just, it was a ton of talent, but that physicality can create advantages and take away certain, you know, talent advantages that the other team yep. has. It, it, the Miami game is a perfect example of that. I mean, they have Warren Sapp and Ray Lewis on the same defense. That's a, that's an all pro studded, you know, group there. And they were outstanding in the first two to three quarters of it. It was hard to do things. I remember a play where Sapp with one hand tackled Lawrence Phillips. By the, the horse collar, yeah. pulled him down. Like that him was down. just incredible play, an incredibly talented guy. And by the fourth quarter, they were gassed, yeah. and they we're weren't playing on the same way. I think you have to give the the O line at that game probably the most props. I mean, they mm-hmm. just kept grinding them down and grinding them down. So, you ever talk to to Matt Verzal about the, some of those old days? Oh, uh, oh I do. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. That's, it's such. It had to be so much fun to be on one of those lines where you know that you see the other team, the hands are on their their hips and on their their knees, and they're they're sucking for air, and yeah. you know that you can just do what you want to do because you've you've set them up, you you've done right. it the last two three quarters, and now you can have your way with them. That's just yeah. got to be just a dominating feeling. It's got to be a great feeling, you know what I mean? Just knowing it's it's kind of trending your way there, and they aren't they can't. There's nothing they can do to stop it. Mm, absolutely well along the way here i've got a couple photos that i want to show and this one here this is this is kind of takes Aww. back to the, the the whole family thing behind behind what you guys do because i think anyone that that does a small business and, and entrepreneurs out there you realize that it's not just you doing it it, it is a family affair and and, and yeah. kids are involved and, and everything uh tell us a little bit about your family here and, and uh and everything and i love the sign here hey all you cool cats kittens thank you so <laughs> That was a snapshot. So during COVID, there was kind of a thing. I don't know if this was like a, a thing across the country or if this is just a local thing, but there was a couple of people doing like what they called porch photos. So when we were still supposed to be, you know, six, six feet apart and masked up, they would go around and take pictures of people like on their front porch to kind of like a, I think it was just supposed to be kind of a, a glimpse into a moment of a pandemic. I don't know. But so we had a gal come and, and she did, she went through town and, 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 offered services to take pictures and she did it free and, and kind of just um, shared them with people. And so we did it. So the, the cool, cool cats and kittens is kind of a thing to the, the tiger King there, but mm-hmm. um, that's my wife, Dawn, um, obviously on the far left. And then Allison's our youngest and she's in first grade this year. Um, and then Elise is our oldest and she's a freshman um, at Newman Grove. And I mean, it, it really is hands-on. I mean, Dawn and I have spent the last, I don't know, four or five nights up here till 11, 12, kind of cranking pies out for the holiday and cookies and whatnot. And 
um, you know, the kids are up here helping and it's just, mm-hmm. it's kind of a family thing. Mm-hmm. Now, Newman Grove, they've consolidated for athletics, right? With, with Albion, but Newman Grove itself still has the a school, correct? Newman Grove still has um, pre-K through 12. So they still have a school. Um, mm-hmm. The graduating class this year, we have a senior that works for us is eight, but it's, it's slowly trending into some, some bigger numbers. I know there's a, a class fifth or sixth grade, I think has got, you know, 16 or 17 kids, at least his class is like 13. So, you know, it's slowly trending back up, but mm-hmm. it's, it's one of those things that were, you know, the, it was a huge selling point for us when we came up here was that there was a school in town and they weren't on a bus 15 miles or 20 miles to a different town. And so that was a huge mm-hmm. selling point for us. And, and we're proud to have school, a school in town. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, my, uh, I have family from uh, originally from North Loop, Nebraska, which is Valley sure. County near Ord. Yeah. And my mom was one of the first uh, students to go to North Loop, Scotia back in the sixties. And that was one of the first consolidated schools. Right. Since then now North Loop, Scotia is consolidated with Greeley and Wallback, a couple other towns. And now that I think it's called like central Valley. And so that it's in their second iteration of it, but it, it's what you have to do in some cases, some of the, some of those towns, but I think it's so important to, to continue to have that. And I'll, and I'll say one thing I hope is a positive long-term outcome that comes out of the, the pandemic People realizing that they can work remotely hopefully gives an opportunity for people to to maybe move to some of those small towns. And we, I have an example. My uncle lives in North Loop, and I was asking him this the other week, actually during Thanksgiving, and he mentioned how a young couple that was from Grand Island but was from that area originally, they just moved and bought a house in, in North Loop. Um, the, the wife can work remotely, and the, the husband has to be in North Loop or in Grand Island, I think, like once a week or something like that. But, you know, something that's reasonable and it gives an opportunity for these small towns and maybe it can breathe some new life into there. And I think that that remote yeah, side of it is interesting. Absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I, you know, I, I just in Newman Grove, there's been several other families that have moved in. Um, you know, the folks that uh, run the grocery store across the street from us are, um, came from Pleasantdale, which is just outside of, of Lincoln, you know, mm-hmm. and it just, you know, there's, there's opportunities to be had. Um, you know, I suppose it depends on how much you want to get out of your comfort zone or how much of a, a risk you want to take. But I mean, this, we, we, we stumbled across this and it was turnkey and we kind of made the best of it and we've grown um, profitable every year we've been here and then we've grown the business. And now we've kind of, we've touched in the Omaha and the Lincoln, the Grand Island communities, you know, besides mm-hmm. The, the Newman Grove, Lindsay, you know, Albion area. So, you know, it, it, there's, there's opportunities to be had if you, if you want to take a plunge. Well, and I think something you've done too, you, you've got some old school in you with some new school. So, I mean, Hey, you're, you're an entrepreneur. You're, you bought the, the small town mom and pop store, but, but what you've done on social media, that's how obviously, um, you know, I came in contact with right. you at first and you've just done an unbelievable job, Facebook, Twitter, and reaching out and, and, I can only imagine what that reaches. I think, in fact, I was watching a video of you guys a a while back, and I think maybe it was your wife was mentioning that, like one time you guys posted something on social media. I think it was some some sheriffs or or some you know some police officers (laughs) were at some convention and they were in the area and they they saw it and they came down and and all ate at your place because of it. Yeah, there's several. um, We have several troopers, state troopers that follow the cafe. And there was Mm -hmm. um, a sergeant up in Norfolk and she's out west now. She's out in the panhandle, I think, in Scotts Bluff. But I don't know. She said she came in with this group of guys and was like, you know, I made a point. I'm going to come here, you know, just because we interacted here. And I'm like, that's awesome. And like Mm -hmm. 
crazy the people that we interact with, you know, especially Twitter's probably our bread and butter. And that's probably the, the, the uh, um, page that we don't, you know, you don't, the page you know the least amount of people on, you know what I mean? Facebook is everyone you know. Twitter's people you don't really know in real life. And it's just amazing the amount of people that have given up time and driven the, you know, four hour round trip from Omaha or Lincoln up here just to come up here and eat and say hi. And we've had people that have done it multiple times now, or they'll make a day of it and they'll go to the antique store here or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I, I just think that's awesome. It, it just, you know, and all it is, is just kind of engaging with people and reaching out, you know, and acknowledging people, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. I, my family, um, we, one year we love doing like the, the wineries in the state. Sure. My parents one year did the entire uh, passport. I think it was where they hit every single winery in there. Yeah. But one of the things I love about doing that is it takes us to places. A lot of times you wouldn't normally go. You're going to some small towns and you're, mm -hmm. you're in, areas that, that you don't always get to. And then along the way, of course, you stop at a restaurant in this town and you stop at a, a cute little store over here in this town. And in Newman Grove, when we went there the first time, because we've been there a couple of times to your guys' place. But yeah, that little, the the antique store that was next to it, we stopped there yeah. for 30 minutes and ended up buying a bunch of Christmas gifts there. <laughs> and, and they uh, love my, that. <laughs> oh my gosh. And my my colleague, Carl, a uh, uh, co-worker of mine, he, uh, they had a day off him and his wife and it was a couple months back and he was tweeting with you back and forth. Yeah. And, uh, and he's like, yep, we're coming down on a Thursday. They just took a day off in the middle of the week. And the, basically the trip was from Lincoln to go to Newman Grove. Now, along the way, they had a couple stops they did in some, yeah. some small towns. But the, the idea, the concept that I'm leaving Lincoln, Nebraska to drive to Newman Grove just to basically eat and then come back home. I mean, that was kind of cool. And, and that's something that, that social media and just being an entrepreneur and going out there and doing what you're doing. You know, I it mean, doesn't cost you anything, and and we're, we're we're trying to kind of help. You know, we're we're a small cog on this main street, but like a, a huge selling factor for Newman for us was it was a, a vibrant main street for the size mm -hmm. of it. You know what I mean? There weren't empty buildings, or it wasn't desolate. It has a grocery store, it has a bowling alley, it has an antique store, it has a quilting shop. Um, we have a neighbor across the street, catty corner from us, that kind of has like a home decor shop. There's several salons, and like I thought that was awesome that this main street was so active. Um, mm -hmm. And I feel like, you know, that kind of is, is small town America to me. You know what I mean? And, and like, mm -hmm. I feel like you can, you can do it. It's, there's opportunities to be had out there. And, and, you know, if you're engaging with people, they'll come and support you. And we've had a lot of support in the last eight years. So, yeah. Well, you know, I, I grew up in Columbus. Um, I always remember as a kid, the thing I remember about Newman I, I had never been there as a kid, but I remember that it was right on the border of Madison County and Platte yep. County. In fact, I, I think that part of the town or maybe a few people live in Platte yeah. on that side, but I'd never been up there. And it wasn't until we came up there the, the first time to go and see you guys and, and eat there. And it was, and it is a cool little town. And, and yeah. like you said, you can tell those towns that take care of it themselves. They, you know, the, the, the lawns are done nicely. The, the main street was look great. And it, and it's a great town. If you haven't Redcasters, Fanformers, if you haven't been up to, to Newman Grove, if you haven't been to the city cafe, uh, definitely take a day out. It is worth it. Uh, Monday through Friday, seven to two. Um, it is absolutely worth it to get up there for, for breakfast, for lunch. Uh, I we've done it multiple times. My family, it's been a lot of fun and yeah. it is a great little town. There's a lot of cool towns around it too. So, I mean, yeah. again, if you haven't been to the area too, it's, it's a neat area to get to. All right, well, let's get to question three. Who are your all time favorite Huskers? I don't know that I have a specific person or, or, you know, people in mind. I, I feel like 
you know, every team, every couple of years, there's always, you know, certain players that kind of stick out. I mean, most, most recently, I think of like, like Adrian Martinez, 2AM, you know, mm-hmm. and like Jojo Doman, you know, I just, you know, they kind of personified, you know, that moment in time, those teams, you know what I mean? And like, you know, kids that did it the right way and, and represented the university well and themselves well. And, you know, I mean, go back to Beringer, you know, in the mid nineties there mm-hmm. and, and what he meant to the state. And, you know, I don't know. I just, I just kind of think, you know, in that moment, there's certain people I can think back to a certain year or a certain era and, and, you know, kind of think about how they kind of contributed to the team and, and the university. Yeah. You know, every time we've made a, a coaching change, you know, you get some alumni guys that will come back and, yeah. and uh, welcome the new guy. And what's always interesting is the, once a Husker, you're always a Husker. And yeah. so whether you were from the sixties or the seventies or the eighties or the nineties, whether you were in winning programs or, or non-winning, you know, yeah. you, if you rep the in, if you wore it, I mean, you, you yeah. your blood out there, you, you sweated for this program. Um, that always means something. And uh, that we've had great players and guys that have represented this program. Great. Whether, no matter who the coaching staff has been, no matter what the generation was. And uh, there's a lot to be, I know it's tough as, as fans. I, I'm not pleasant around losses. I'm not a great, I, I, I get mad. I, I turn Twitter off. Right. But, and so I, I say that because I'm not trying to make myself being more pious and like, Oh yeah, I don't get mad when we lose. No, I get, I get frustrated and I get mad. Right. But at the end of the day, there's been a lot of great players and a lot of great things that have happened in this program, yeah. even the last 10 years, even the last yeah. five years that we've been doing this, this podcast, right. even without winning seasons, there's still positive things that come out of it. And I think Adrian's a great example of that. I, 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 I kind of thought of him initially and then we've seen, I mean, he's had some, some um, injury issues down at K state, but mm-hmm. you know, early on in the season, he was doing great things down there. He, he seems to be, I don't know him personally, but he seems to be a great kid that's well-spoken mm-hmm. and represents himself and, and his university, whether it's here, or, you know, Nebraska or K state now, but represents that well. And, and I have an appreciation for that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So. In a great family, you know, the second that um, he was basically leaving, uh, for K State, and you know, and by the way, he walked out of this university with a with a degree from the University yeah. of Nebraska. He's an alumni, and uh, but he when he left, his dad saw on Twitter. I posted some stuff, and I have, my son is autistic, and I took him to some games, and he's wearing his headphones and all that. Sure. And his dad reached out to me, and and was just really nice, and he's like, "Hey, would would Alex like some some two a.m. swag?" And just out of the blue, just sent me a whole bunch of stuff. And I'm like, "That's hard not to root for." A kid like that, it's hard not to root for a family like that. Yeah. Great character. Yeah, exactly. And I, I even mentioned this on our Redcast last night. I think this is a another family of great character. Malachi Coleman, who just committed yeah. here yesterday, yeah. his mom tweeted out yesterday, she tweeted out to Deion Sanders and the coaches at Colorado just to, just to thank them for bringing them in, even though they didn't commit there, they, just to thank right. them and kind of a public, you know, Sure. Statement of that. And I'm like, and that it's the new way of some, doing something very old school. Hey, if you get a, a gift at Christmas here, what should you do? Yeah. Write a thank you note. Write a thank right? you note. Right. Yeah. And it's a lost art. And um, when I saw her tweet that, I was like, gosh, you almost never see that kind of thing. I thought it was so cool. And that's so hopefully, you know, what we're getting is we're getting a great kid and we're hopefully we're getting a, just one more great family. And that's really, that's Husker football there too. <laughs> well, here's the next photo. And uh, you are, th- this is the show you at work. I mean, this is real work you got to do here. The, the food doesn't create itself. So, uh, you know, there you are, you know, the 
in the kitchen there making a can you tell what you're making there that looks like a, a burger a, of some kind it's the sriracha burger i believe Ooh, the <laughs> sriracha burger and i do see a pie next to that so the, yeah, the pies that's the pies. big business right is yep, the pies that's the big business um, never my wildest dreams that i think i'd be cranking out pies for a living <laughs> <laughs> what's the what's the biggest seller of pie for you in newman grove lemon meringue and cherry are the two biggest um Talking with Verz, it sounds like in Omaha, Toll House, which is like essentially a chocolate chip cookie in a pie shell, mm-hmm. uh, or in pie crust, and um, peanut butter are the popular ones down in Omaha. But yeah, you know, it just sometimes it just depends on the day. We do, there's an old fashioned pie called sour cream raisin, um, mm-hmm. which sounds not appealing, but if you try <laughs> kind of a kind of a warm pie, it's kind of a, it feels like a fallish pie, um, you know, it has like clove and, and cinnamon and that kind of stuff in it. With a meringue top, but yeah, <laughs> my cherry and lemon. There. When you took over the cafe, did you keep some of the old recipes that they used to do, or did you kind of start over from scratch? How did that go for you? I'm a little bit of both. We got a little bit. So the gal that we bought it from um, had run it for 25 years, and so we kind of inherited some of her um, recipes there. Not all of them. There were some family ones that went with the family, but. Mm-hmm. Um, we've also just kind of gotten creative and, and roll our sleeves up and come up with some different, you know, different ideas. We've got a no shortage of church cookbooks, both locally here, old church cookbooks and some, some that we brought from, you know, the congregations we attended when we were in Omaha and, you know, we've, we've had people request certain ones that we've kind of done a little, you know, deep dive into and, and kind of crafted a little bit of a pie list out of all of that. So, mm-hmm. Well, deep dive. Let's take a deep dive. And then the question number four, and this is the one, this is the question. It always almost takes the amount of time of the first three questions combined, but it is, is how do you think the Huskers will do next year? And for the time being, I, I've kind of rephrased this a little bit so early in the off season, maybe not so much. How do you think they're going to do, but maybe what are your early expectations? At least, uh, you know, coach rule has now been on 25 days uh, in the position. Uh, he just announced his first recruiting class yesterday you know, how do you kind of assess what he's done in these early few weeks? He's building his staff. You know, what are your early thoughts, early expectations? National title or bust. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. There you go. Um, no, in, in all honesty, I, I just, I hope to get him to a bowl game. You know, mm-hmm. if we can get some momentum going and get to, you know, uh, some sort of a bowl game, I think that would be a huge step in the right direction. You know, I like six and six, seven and five, something along that lines, you know. I would like to see him maybe get, you know, the Wisconsin monkey or some of these, you know, other teams, these big 10 teams that have had their number since, since they've joined in the last decade, kind of, you know, get a, a win from that, you know, in one of those games and kind of shake some of that off. But yeah, I'm hoping for a bowl game, if nothing else, you know, How something good. to look forward to after Thanksgiving, you know. Yeah. <laughs> How good of a feeling was that Iowa win and, and getting that oh, monkey off the back, God, seven straight great. losses. It was great. It was Especially Iowa, you know, <laughs> well, yeah, Iowa, that's... Wisconsin, you know, it's just for some reason, those two teams, you know, just seem to have their number, have had their number. And it was great to kind of at least cap off that, that season with that win. You know, I, I, I've mentioned, I grew up in Columbus and I've lived in Lincoln. I've never lived in Omaha. Now, when we joined the big 10, there was a lot of, you could tell there was friction between like Omaha and Iowa, obviously being right on the border with each other <laughs> growing up there, you know, did you feel differently about Iowa because you're from Omaha or is it, does that change anything with you there? No, I mean, I was honestly, I was, 
the Big Ten was such a, a, a transition. Like we, we went so many years where Colorado and Oklahoma were like the hated teams, like despised them. Mm-hmm. And I was always like, yeah, okay, whatever. You know, we'll play you every 20 years, you know, for a series, home and home series. And it really wasn't a thing. And then it just kind of felt forced early on. And mm-hmm. it, it kind of slowly transitioned. It feels kind of like that Colorado game used to be, you know what I mean? Where like, yeah. you just, maybe it's, maybe it's the black, gold, black, yellow. I, I don't know, but it is, you know, it's kind of transition to that and, yeah, but early on, it, it really didn't feel like a rivalry. Maybe maybe it does more so down there now, but yeah, I think it took losing seven. We all hate Iowa, so <laughs> yeah. I mean, for for a number of Husker fans, early on in it, it was I know for the first few years, you know, they're beneath us. We are a big blue right. blood, and they they haven't won as many as us. And uh, so you know, there were there were fans that thought that that's not a rivalry because of that. Right. And it took seven straight losses and and a humbling. Yeah. Yeah. And when we beat and them, some of them, and, some of them bad losses. I mean, it wasn't like yeah. everything was close. I mean, there was a 56 to 14 game, not, not too many years ago. And like, yeah, that stings a little more than, you know, Oh, we lost, you know, in the last second field goal or something, you know? Yeah. The bloodbath that uh, Mark Banker talked about, you know, that they yeah. must, their practices must be a bloodbath because they were just so much more physical frost, you know, lost by a combined 19 points in four years to him. Yeah. So there was maddening close losses under frost, <laughs> but the losses nonetheless, right. Um, I think what what was interesting with like Colorado and Oklahoma was I didn't I don't think I realized because it had been so long it had been seven eight years since we had been in the Big Twelve and we never really had we just don't have that close rival yet because of we don't have the history built up and when we went and played Colorado in nineteen and we were there in, in Boulder oh, yeah. uh, I went to to Norman two years ago you know for the Oklahoma game and it. it took no time it was instantly back i was like oh my gosh that feeling of i hate <laughs> i hate these guys or, or we've got to beat these guys this is our yeah. our our longtime rival and, and we will never have that in some regards in the big 10 just because we don't have the history of it right but you know you see that with like an iowa or minnesota or wisconsin they, sure. they oh, have yeah. that with each other because yeah. they've played each other a hundred times they're share, you know trading pigs back and forth and whatever <laughs> trophies so they all have trophies for it so <laughs> <laughs> and by the way the, the coolest trophy I still think is Nebraska and Minnesota that five dollar bits of broken chair, um, and and how that just came out of so organically out of out of nothing. I mean, nothing, it was a, yeah. a Twitter spat between a you know a gopher and, and a fake Bo Pelini, and what and what's come out of that? Like that's I I don't even look at it's not even like I look at Minnesota as some big rival. I just think that's just the coolest thing, and I love the the trophy and how it came out yeah. of it, and and, and none, none of it's forced. It didn't feel like it was. Uh, you know, they that anyone's saying they're a rival. It's just, hey, that game, right. that game means something there. It seems more authentic than the Heroes Trophy with Iowa. You oh. know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I mean that's it, when you when you throw a corporate feel around something and yeah. then try to try to make it uh, something special. Make a lot of times, it loses uh, it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, you know, we we're talking about next season, and I think what I'm going to kind of use as my, I don't know, my quote or whatever for the for the, this off season is I'm going to call it the race to six. I hate putting um, <laughs> I hate putting ceilings on anything, right? Like we can we can go twelve and zero next year. I'm not saying right. that, but we can, right? So I'm not going to say we're going to go six and six. It's the race to six. Can we get? Maybe it takes six weeks to get there, and we're six and zero. Maybe it takes. Maybe in week twelve against Iowa, we're five and right. six, and we need to win that game to get to to six to wins. Yeah. yeah, whatever it is. I mean, you think of I, uh, Kansas this year started off five and one. 
under right. Lance Leipold, and they ended up six and six. Hey, they made right. six. They <laughs> made it. They made a bowl game. They made it. So I don't care how it is. The race to six. And, uh, you know, hey, if it takes us eight weeks and we're six and two, we can reevaluate our, our expectations. Now let's win seven, eight, or nine, right? But right. but the key, the first goal is let's get to six. And I do think it's important. Um, you know, look, I'm like, if, if we go five and seven next year, I'm not going to be calling for rules head or anything. But but I think it is, I also think it's important that he shows it, it, like a tangible sign right. of progress. And making a bowl is such a tangible well, sign right now. Even at five and seven, it, it kind of depends on how those seven losses played out, too. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If if you're competitive and it's just you know you're just losing on you know a fluke play or a last second kick or you know whatever, that's different than getting blown out too. And, and sure. so, if you're at least competitive and it's trending in that direction, you know, I'm on board. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think what what we do what we all want to see too is. A sign of progress would be like even just in one game, if you beat some team that maybe didn't people didn't think you're going to beat them, right. or there's a game where you clearly out coached the opponent, yeah. and that out coaching we haven't them. seen that in a while is out coaching anybody. Yes, you know? I mean that that's the part. Like I don't want to say this because it I don't want to come off too brash and oh yeah we're going to go twelve and zero, but like like I think that we're going to if the coaching improves. So if you play smarter football if you right if you play more sound if you don't make mistakes you're not jumping off sides and getting penalties and turnovers if you play solid special teams i mean these are the things that i those are expectations individually i have let's play let's be a good special teams team if you do all those things six and six should be almost a foregone conclusion any season i would think so i mean just just fundamentals and discipline you know what mm-hmm. i mean it, those can lose you games and if you could kind of clean that up a little bit I, you know, I, I really don't think six and six, seven and five is that unreasonable. And you're no. right. If you get six and two, maybe you start looking at eight or nine wins. You know, if you get to five and you're rolling into Iowa, great. Let's try and get to a bowl game. Yep. But anything is better than three and nine, right? <laughs> oh, the, those, uh, those seasons and the last few seasons too. What's interesting about how this next season starts is very rarely do we have two games on the road right away. Only right. two times in modern era, the 1995 season, we right. started at Oklahoma State and then at Michigan yep. State in uh, uh, Nick Saban's first game there. First game, yeah. And then in 76, I think was the other year, and I've got the glass set upstairs. <laughs> I've got it for me. And I think we played at like, gosh, at Indiana and maybe it was LSU or something. But uh, uh, but very rarely do you start on the road two straight times. Well, we play at Min- at Minnesota in late August on a Thursday night. And then we come back and we play at Colorado. Coach Dion yeah. is, uh, I think, his own home opener. They will play at TCU the week beforehand. So um, it's it's interesting. Is the last couple of years we've played these early games, Illinois a year ago, and then this year the Ireland game. And right. in both cases, they we we fell flat, and the season felt almost over before September even turned on the calendar. And and imagine having a little bit of early success next season. What that could do. Right. For the for the for the team, I think that's I think that's important for rule two to have some kind of early success, whether that means going one and one or you know hell's bells winning two. I don't know, but you know it'd be tough coming back to, to Memorial Stadium in week three at zero and two. That would be a tough one. It'd be sweet if he could go out to to Boulder there and, and knock Dion down a little bit. Honestly, mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and that's the pro- that's a program going. You know, and, and that's a program that they've, they've got such hatred for. Well, I mean, we say that. We say that as fans that watched it for, you know, our whole mm-hmm. lives. I mean, kids on both of those teams weren't even around when this was a rivalry. So who knows? Maybe they don't have the hatred quite as much as we do. But it would be nice to go kind of humble, you know, 
prime time down a little bit, but yeah. We'll and that's a one in 11 program right now. That's going through their own rebuild right. too. And, right. and uh, well, I, I think, a, go ahead. Well, I was going to say Dion to me seems like a, there's a, there's a high risk, high reward with him. I mean, it right. can, I think a lot of people look at him as it will either flame out, you know, miraculously, you know, or terribly right. or whatever, or, or he could It'll just blow up, blow yeah. up. And, and almost regardless of which way it goes, I think everyone looks at that and goes, he'll be gone in two years anyways. If, if it goes right. bad, he's gone. If, if he does great, if he goes great. He's going to move on up, you know, yeah, he'll go back down to the sec or, you know, right. one of the schools and, and, uh, but you know, I guess if I'm a Colorado fan, I'll, I'll take it. If, if it means that, so you get this thing turned around from one Give to me a little and you might turn it around potentially, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, but uh, th- this next season is going to be an interesting one. How it starts off the two away games. Um, it, you know, I'm interested to watching yesterday's press conference on the, the new kids coming in. He also talked about the coaching staff. He talked about the offensive line, keeping coach Rayola around and, and some things. And you just, you get the sense. I'm really interested in, what this offseason looks like from a physicality standpoint, practice. I'm a big practice guy. I've gone to coaches' clinics from all the way from Solich all the way through through Frost. So I've seen practices of, of all these different staffs. And and I want to see some green jerseys off the quarterbacks. I want to see some old school stuff going, get under center and and line up and, and hit guys and and start to be that physical team. Mark Banker talked about Iowa having bloodbath practices. Yeah. I'd like to see us maybe have a couple of little bloodbath practices too. You talk to some of those guys in those title teams, and I, I know we keep glorifying and going back to the '90s, but I mean, those guys had some bloodbaths in, in, in practice too, and, and you know, I think that's how it, that's how you build this camaraderie and, and you build this team up, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, the offensive line back then, the pipeline guys would yeah. say the toughest defensive line they went against all season was in practice, and the, yeah. the defensive line yeah. guys, the Peters, and all those guys would say the toughest offensive line we we played against was on Wednesday during. During a you know, the goal line drill, it was your easy day. <laughs> yes, Saturday was a day off, right? And that it's that mentality. I, I was asked that by somebody where they 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 were talking about next season, and you know how good is that offensive lineman going to do? You know, you're going to find out against Minnesota or whatever when he's going against some you know all Big Ten defensive end. And I'm like, well, if you're waiting till then to find out how they're going to do that, you've already wasted eight months of off season. Right. I, I expect right. in, in spring practice. I expect you know. During during all this offseason, that the competition has to be at a premium, and the physicality has to be at a premium in practice. You can't wait until August to to get it figured out. And and if you're truly going to have a competition, especially at a, a, a position like quarterback, I don't know how you can do it without ever letting those guys go live. I've mentioned this on the the air a number of times, but uh, you know, I was at the coaches clinic in 2005 when Zach Taylor won the starting position away from Joe Daly. And it was a two-hour, 200-play practice, no green jerseys. Uh, Adam Carricker and Lakeven Smith and Stuart Bradley and, you know, yeah. Jay Moore. Which guys, yeah. <laughs> those guys – I mean, those guys destroyed Zach Taylor at yeah. times. They, they, they'd cream him, but he'd get up, he'd get into a huddle, he'd call a play, he'd complete a pass, and he, he moved the offense in ways that we had struggled the year prior. And over the course of this two-hour scrimmage – Joe Daly, by the end of it, was standing on the side of the the sideline by himself, and and you could tell that he that they had just kind of transferred the right. the position, yeah. and <laughs> and we walked away from it. And and Zach Taylor wasn't supposed to be that guy. That the savior was going to be Harrison Beck, the the big four star quarterback right. coming in. This Zach Taylor guy is just some JUCO guy, but man, he, he you could see it. But you never could have figured that out. You never would have learned that if you have green without jerseys that. on him yeah, and, and you're. 
and you're playing, yeah, if you're playing touch football with the quarterback, you can't learn it. So I hope they have a, a good competition here. I think we're going to have, we're going to have, a, you know, some deep rooms there. I like, hopefully T- uh, Thompson is healthy enough and, and is coming back. And I like yeah. Jeff, Jeff Sims coming in from Georgia tech. I hope that we don't lose, you know, a guy like Smothers or Purdy and let the, let them compete. And uh, yeah. there's some athletes in that room. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, there's a lot going on down there with that team that, that, you know, it, it, it there's, there's some, some, I don't know. It, it's exciting, you know, to think about what potentially could happen in the next year or two with some mm-hmm. of those kids. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I also love the idea of, of recruiting in state and this coaching staff made a big point of that. And, and, uh, you know, small town, Nebraska, uh, there's a kid here in the next class from Ainsworth. That's, uh, Getting a, has an offer from Nebraska. We just went out to Scotts Bluff and got another kid from there. Um, I remember it was at Wyatt, Missouri. I think was a Albion. He was he was a Boone Central kid. He, Boone Central. He, he uh, they won a title, um, the Class C title um, first year we were up here. So yeah, and he was a good kid too. Mm-hmm. And that's the stuff you know. You you find kids from everywhere. Uh, again, I keep bringing up Columbus, the hometown, but. You know, we just yeah. had Ernest Hausman, and I, mean, I, I I hate losing him, but he's going up to Michigan now. And but there's great players all over the state. And so, uh, you know, I, I like what Rule is already starting to do with trying to build those relationships. And if we can get a coach to – if we can – to really show success, I think a successful sign of this program would be in eight years, at the end of his eight-year contract, hopefully by then it's already been renewed several times over. <laughs> but if in eight years of Coach Rule is our coach, that's a sign of success. I'm not even throwing out records. I'm just if we have right. a coach that's here for eight years, we, we need something to start went right. To get yeah, something went right. We need <laughs> that consistency. It, you think about it; it's been 25 years now since Coach Osborne uh, left, and he was here for 25 years. So for 25 seasons, we had the consistency of him every year. He had George Darlington uh, on his staff. Milt Tenenbaum was with him for 24 years. I think McBride was there like 21 years, and Solich, and I mean the guys that had been there with them for you know well over a decade and and then the last 25 years you know we're now on our fifth head coach and countless coordinators and position coaches and and so it's got to the bleeding has to stop somewhere and you got to start to build some consistency and hopefully we have the right guy here as the head coach i we all hope that the last guy was well now it's the new the new guy and i hope it's this guy and I hope he's here for, for many, many years. I to hope come. so too. I mean, we all thought the last guy was the guy. And so it's <laughs> gotta be, the guy has gotta be around the corner here. Right. That's, mm-hmm. you know, well, and that's the it. thing. That's the thing that <laughs> the Dave likes to say this uh, Redcast Dave says this a lot on the show where the thing with Husker fans is that we'll, we'll never let this thing die. And, and I erroneously, I said this when um, Frost was first hired, I'm like, if it doesn't work with him, you know, it's not going to work. And Dave's like, that's not true. If it doesn't work with him, we'll, get someone right. else and we're going to keep getting someone else until you get that, that right person. And there's, there's historical reference to this. When Devaney sure. got here in 61, I mean, there was 20 years prior to that where we had gone through seven, eight coaches. And I don't think anybody necessarily looked at Devaney and thought, Oh, this guy is the the one that's going to stop it. But, but we hope, right. Um, Devaney wasn't the first uh, option. Uh, right. Fans, uh, they had wanted someone else in front of him, but didn't get him. So they got right. Devaney. So they get their backup guy. But uh, he comes in here and he made fans feel good. He went around the state, went to small towns, went to VFWs, and and just told people, you know, how important they were to the program, and that you know this is the state owns this program, and got people feeling good. And then 
he demonstrated some early success to go along with it. And the, the combination of that uh, led him to a good start. And I think when I think of Coach Rule right now, I didn't know anything about him really a month ago. And when you start listening to him talk, and I mean, yeah, he, he talks differently than other coaches in terms of being, I mean, like, like tangibly, he talks different than other coaches. Frost right. couldn't inspire the way that he does. Right. Uh, Polini wasn't that kind of guy. Riley was super nice, but Riley wasn't going to uh, right. inspire that way. Callahan wasn't going to do that. I mean, this is really, he's got a lot of Devaney kind of traits in him from a, from a speaking standpoint. So he'll make you feel good. Now, hopefully the results, you know, this is where I think it's important to have that, that race to six in, in year one is, you know, right. show some results to go along with it. You know, maybe, maybe this is a case of history repeating itself and, you know, he's the start of another long stretch. I don't know. Oh man. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be, I was thinking about this the <laughs> other day. If you think about history repeating itself, we were just talking about Twitter. Could you imagine like, what Twitter would have been like in 1961 <laughs> or 62, like Devaney would have used it. Right. And then if Osborne, Osborne takes over, I could see Osborne, like, I'm not, you know, I'm not messing around with this thing, but Devaney, he'd have been all over Devaney it. Would have used it. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. He's a social yeah. guy. <laughs> yeah. The NIL and transfer portal. If that was back there in the sixties, Devaney would have figured out a way just to, to make it work for us. So, well, I, you know, even we talk about, you know, using social media to your power, you have a lot of these different things that have changed in college ball and you need a coach that can kind of use those as assets. Mm-hmm. And, you know, whether it's the transfer portal, whether it's the NIL deal, it's just, there's gotta be something you can do to kind of tweak that to, to kind of build your program up. And, and I mean, rules got experience doing that and it's turned two big or two programs around. I mean, if, if you can turn temple around, I don't know how you can turn Lincoln around, you know? <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, he had one, they had one 10 win season in their history and yeah. then he went ahead and had two. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just, it, it's, I, w- I would like to think that the ball is going to bounce in our favor here. So. Well, we we'll are like, for the longest time we were the, the, the most dominant program for decade after decade. And I know a lot of fans probably put a hex on us and said, you guys, you guys deserve to, to suffer for a while. Well, we've, we've suffered. We've earned yeah. it. <laughs> we've got it's it. time for this to get turned back around now. So well, I think I think Nebraska being relevant is good for college football in general too. You know. Yeah, I've talked with countless national people that say the same thing. I mean, it, college football is better when Nebraska is is back up. There's same thing with Tennessee, and there's a number of other schools too that that you want to see it. I, I did tweet something out on Sunday, and it was the uh, I don't know if you caught caught this game at all, but it was the Raiders Patriots game. Oh and yeah, I, I saw the highlight of the end of it. <laughs> that just bizarre, ridiculous finish of a weird Patriots thing. Yeah. throwing that weird lateral that gets caught in return. And my my tweet was something to the the extent of uh, you know, hey Patriot fans, when you've been on top for so long, sometimes the overcorrection is you know it, it's it's painful. You know, signed Husker Nation. It's like we we get it. We understand what it's like to have some crazy endings and i can right. only go through you know i can only come up with about 50 examples of the last 20 years but right. but uh, hopefully uh you know that starts to calm down and and we've got the right guy and and uh we'll see less of those so absolutely well adam this has been great i've, I've really enjoyed having you on here and again i love the story i've been wanting to have you on i was talking with you last summer when we stopped by sure. yeah. i just think i think it's a great story of of big town folks coming to the small town and and what you guys have done there with the cafe, you've done a great job. Uh, get, you know, I'm going to give you the floor. You're kind of, you know, plug what you guys are doing. You know, how can people find you, and uh, and and everything, and and just tell us about the tell us again about the the cafe. Well, we're on most social 
um, pages. We've got Twitter, Facebook, um, Instagram. We have a TikTok um, that I've delegated to a couple of our high school kids. <laughs> um, but you can find us uh, at NG City Cafe. Um, we're open Monday through Friday, 7 to 2. Um, you know, if you make a day trip of it, there's several stores along Main Street, you know, if you, if you want to kind of get out and support a local small community, um, you know, if nothing else, can get a slice of pie. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Well, and tell them the Redcast sent you. You're not going to get any percent off of that, but just tell them the Redcast <laughs> sent you. That I always like t- telling people to do that. But uh, I, I mean, it's it, like I said, I had a great time. That the we've been up there yeah. two or three times now. And my family they want to go back again here, and uh, and we've had great great food every time we've gone there. So yeah. I, I just that's an that's an easy yeah. plug it's, for you there. The food the is mom and pop it. kind of dive, but you know we try to as best as we can try to come out and engage with people, especially if we know they're up from out of town or we know they're coming up, you know, give us a, a heads up and we'll, we'll put you on the menu board and give you a shout mm-hmm. out there. And, you know, it's, you know, people want to feel special and, and there's no reason why we can't do that and, and you know, acknowledge people making the effort to come up and see us. So. That's true. That's, that's one of the things you do with social is that message board that, yeah. that, that you guys write on every morning, uh, the, the menu and stuff. And my coworker, I was telling you about Carl came up there yeah. and, and was that was his, right. He, he reached yeah, out to birth- you. So you, yeah. you guys put his, yeah, that was right. He put, you put his birthday down. It was like, happy birthday, yeah. Carl. So like, what a welcoming thing. Like this is small town, yeah. nice Nebraska is that you drive up to the, to the, the front door and there's a sign already saying happy birthday and welcoming right. you in there. That's, that's pretty cool. Well, in, day, in today's day and age with social media, you know, you can kind of share that with people and, and it just makes people feel special. And it literally took me four seconds to write that and acknowledge him, you know, when he came up. And so, no, mm-hmm. I don't know. Trying to, trying to, there's so much craziness going on in this world, you know, if that can put a smile on someone's day or make their day or, you know, whatever it is, then so be it. I'm glad to do it. Well, this has made my day. I hope this has made you, uh, all of your days that have been watching oh, yeah. this, folks. Um, <laughs> all right. Take us out here. I always give the parting shot to our, to our guests. So parting shot, it can be about anything you want, Husker football, whatever, and go. <laughs> oh, well, I want to wish you all a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. <laughs> <laughs> same here. Yeah, same back to you. Um, yeah. So it's support local wherever you're at, you know, if you're in Omaha or Lincoln or in a small town or wherever, you know, we really strongly encourage people to support small businesses and they're kind of the backbone of this country. And I'll leave it at that. Well, thank you. Well, Adam Witchell, his wife, Dawn, uh, Newman Grove City Cafe, uh, Redcasters, Fan Foreigners, go out there make sure i mean it's it's fun it's awesome go out there go to the other small towns around it uh and thank you so much for joining us and just remember you too could be the next one to join us on the forum Heard at Sports Network Production.